Grab your Bibles and open them up to Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8. Man, I am just so excited for what God is doing in this area. We, uh, if you didn't know, we started back up our youth hubs. Um, we believe that God gave us a mandate to not just be one church in one city, but to be one church in four cities. And uh, Lacena, Richfield, Woodland, and Kalama. And part of that is to start up youth ministries in each city. We started our Lacena one a couple of, well, actually about six months ago. We started it back up in September. We had 20 Lacenter youth come none from the promise and so we're just excited for what god is doing we're so thankful for you church who are partnering with us to say hey we're going to go to two services we're going to expand we're going to be creative and make room for the city for this region to encounter jesus amen amen and how many people are excited to have pastor chris back with us this weekend he'll be here next weekend as well his wife will probably be here at the 11 a.m service or the 1 p.m service or the 4 p.m. service, whenever the kids wake up, 6 p.m. service. So Exodus chapter 8, hopefully you're there. Then the Lord said to Moses, verse 1, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into your houses of your officials and on your people and into your ovens and your kneading troughs. And everybody who hates frogs and creepy crawlers says, gross. The frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same thing by their secret arts. They made frogs come up as well on the land, which you would think they would have made them go away, but they made more come. Very intelligent magicians. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron said, pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs except for those that remain in the Nile. And Pharaoh replied and said, tomorrow. Moses replied, it will be as you say that you may know that there is no one like the Lord your God, Lord our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials and your people. They will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh, and the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses and in the courtyards and in the fields. They piled up in heaps, and the land reeked of them. Don't you just feel blessed this morning? Isn't that a great verse? So here we have the Israelites. They've been in captivity for 400 plus years. They've been crying out to the Lord. They've been slaves of Pharaoh and Egypt, and they've been crying out to God, get us out of here. And the Lord hears their cries. He sends Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh. And uh, Pharaoh's heart, as many of us know, his heart is hardened, and he refuses to let the Israelites go. And so God brings a series of 10 plagues onto Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And we pick up in the middle of the story as the plague of frogs get brought on. And God, when he brings a plague of frogs, he doesn't mess around. They're in the bed. They're in the bedroom. It'd be hard to have a good relationship with your wife that way. 
They're in your food. They're in the oven. They're in your shoes. Like you thought spiders in your shoes were bad? Imagine a frog in your shoes. They're in your attic. They're in the basement. Here a frog. They're a frog everywhere, eh? They're everywhere. These frogs are annoying. And so the only thing worse than frogs everywhere is a Mrs. Pharaoh who is understandably frustrated by frogs. And so she probably went to Pharaoh and said, whatever it takes, just get rid of these frogs. And so Mo Moses gets summoned by Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, I'm done. I'm done. Take these frogs away. I can't handle it any longer. And Moses replies, my God is able my God is capable and willing. Just let me know when you want the frogs to go. Probably the most mention of frogs you'll ever hear in a message. And one of the most interesting scriptures in all the Bible, in fact, it's really just one word. Pharaoh responds and says, I want them gone tomorrow. Tomorrow. What would cause Pharaoh to want to spend another night with these frogs? God is able. Moses is like, just let me know when you want them to go. And God will take them away. You want them gone today, right now? No. I want them gone tomorrow. Now, I'm not here to debate with you why he would have been so stupid and wait another day. But my question to you is, how often have you carried frogs in you and on you and around you when God is able and capable to get rid of them? And your response is, tomorrow. I want them gone tomorrow. And these are frogs of insecurities. These are frogs of fear, of doubt, of depression, of anxiety. These are frogs of shame and guilt and condemnation. When God is capable and he's saying, just let me take them. No, tomorrow. And we hear message after message after message. You can have freedom today. God died on the cross for victory for you and you can have it right now. And we're like, I'll, I'll take it tomorrow. And we think that by choosing tomorrow, we get freedom today. But tomorrow, we say tomorrow, and then we say next week, and we say next year. And all of a sudden, it's been three years, and the frogs are still there. And we circle around the same issues over and over and over. What would cause a Christian, what would cause you to keep those frogs around another day? If you could have freedom in your life today, would you choose it? If you could have freedom, if God was able, would you say, get them out? I can't handle them anymore. But our response generally is tomorrow. My good news to you today is that today is the day of freedom. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of hope that you can have breakthrough today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow any longer. You don't have to circle the same mountain over and over and over again. No, you can have it today. And see, what we like to say is, well, that's nice for you. It's easier for you. You're maybe more motivated than I am. You're more dedicated to get rid of those things, and, and I'm not quite the same way. It doesn't come down to a personality type. It doesn't come down to a family type. It comes down to a blood type, and that blood is the blood of Jesus. And when he died for you, that same blood that gave me freedom can give you freedom, and you don't have to wait any longer. And we live in this constant state of perpetually struggling the same thing, over and over, and the very frogs that were meant to frustrate us all of a sudden become our pets, and we start naming them. And that's Croak over there, and I'm comfortable with him, and I'm not frustrated by him anymore. In fact, he's comfortable and he's easy. And we find a place of comfort in the very thing that was caused to create friction and irritation, but we make comfortability in that season. 
God wants and is able and is capable and is willing today to bring freedom to your life. You and I were called to be in a constant state of growth. We see it in nature. We see it in our lives as humans. If you're not growing, that's generally a sign of lack of health. If you're not growing, it's generally indicative that you're dying in some way, right? If a plant is not growing, if you're like, if my six-year-old stops growing and his growth is stunted, something is wrong. It's an indication that health is not good. You and I were called to be in a constant state of growth and maturity and learning and revelation and understanding in the Lord. And it's really challenging to do that when we allow the frogs of life and I've never said frogs more often than in the last 30, 30 seconds. The frogs of life stay around and they stunt our growth. We stay stuck in the same place for too long. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 says this. It says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, I have a one-year-old, Kingsley. She's about 14 months. She still drinks milk. And in fact, she's now beginning to eat solid food. She's growing and maturing, thank the Lord, for all the spankings that have been coming lately. That is biblical, in case you were wondering. And she, she could not eat only meat. She could not eat only solid food. She needs milk, but at a certain point, she could not just sustain herself on milk. And my son, who's six right now, when he was one years old, uh, he was obviously drinking breast milk. And uh, there was a certain evening where my wife, she, uh, yeah, the young adults know the story. I told it on Monday. The, my wife had a little too much milk, and so she was going to store it and save it for the next day because it's like gold. You don't want to throw that stuff away. <laughs> and she took this extra milk, and instead of putting it in a reusable pouch and a normal container, she got a drinking glass and poured breast milk in a drinking glass and stuck it not in the freezer, in the refrigerator. Now the next morning, I thought I'm going to be a smart, good husband and I will not use the new milk in the carton. I will use the old milk in the drinking glass. Because I'm a thoughtful husband. She would want me to do that. So I pour myself some cereal. I grab the used glass of milk. 2% milk. Pour it into my cereal. And begin to drink and eat my cereal. It did not taste good. But I persevered. Because I'm a good husband. Because I'm a good husband, I ate it. And I didn't throw it away. And later that day, I said, babe, there's something wrong with our milk. I think we should throw it away. It's gone sour. She's like, what milk did you use? I said, the glass of milk. She said, do not kill me. It was Raisin Bran. 
because I'm an adult. Fruit Loops. You want to know why I am who I am today? I drank breast milk one morning. You're welcome. But see, my son Israel, who is now six, if all he did was drink breast milk, he would not be able to develop internally. He would not have the strength to sustain himself in life. There would be something a matter with, he would be stunted in his development and in his growth. But for some reason, us as Christians, we think we can survive in our lives. We think we can sustain ourselves with the milk of elementary truths of the Lord. And, and we're still trying to develop our prayer life. We're still trying to develop a reading the Bible. And we've been a believer for five years. And we're like, we're wondering why we can't get through seasons. We're wondering why we're stuck. We're wondering why we're defeated. And it's because we're trying to have milk sustain us when we actually need real food. Like steak. Amen. So you're a vegetarian in here? Trust me, it's really good. Now my kids started school this week. Israel is in second grade. He's six. And Charlie started kindergarten. She's five. They started school on Monday, and uh, I have a praise report. I did not cry. If you know me, I cry all the time. I cried every movie I watch, I cry. And I made it through. There was no tears except probably Kingsley. She cried for some reason. And uh, I got in the car, and I, I, I couldn't even turn on worse music because I knew if I turned it on, I would probably just lose it. So I turned on a podcast, but I made it through. No tears. And my son, who's in second grade, he's going to graduate second grade in June of next year. He needs nine approximate months to learn everything he needs to learn. He already knows how to read, but not great. So now he's going to learn more words. He's going to become more fluid in his reading. He already understands addition and subtraction and some multiplication, but now he's going to learn some division and a little bit more multiplication. He's going to learn more about history. He's going to learn more about science, but he only needs one year to learn what he needs to learn. And then he's learned it, and now it's time for third grade. If he stayed in second grade for three years, you would look at me like, bro, I think you're a bad parent, or he's in the wrong school. Or his teachers got, like something, there would, there would be a problem if he stayed in the same grade for three or four or five years. Because he only needs one year to learn what he needs to learn in second grade. We've got too many Christians who have been in second grade for 10 years. And you're going through the same lesson plan over and over and over. And God's like, I'm trying to teach you something new. But you've got to learn second grade first. Today, I'm telling you, is your graduation day. I feel like specifically that God wants to graduate some of you who have been finding yourself stuck and complacent and spiritual apathy where you've been staying in the same place. And you're like, I don't want to stay here any longer. But at times we can get in the same grade and we can get comfortable. We can get acquainted with the surroundings and we don't want to move on. The next grade scares us. What if we don't understand what to do? What if we don't know how to learn the things they want to teach us? What if we don't know who's there? I believe that this morning God wants to bring faith and trust and hope in your spirit to say you can grow. You don't have to stay stuck 
any longer. That God wants to bring a graduation moment to some of you where it's time to get your cap and gown, put the hat on, move the tassel. We're going to have the music play as you walk down. We'll have a processional. We'll clap and celebrate. And you're going to graduate today. You're going to actually graduate and not stay stuck in the same place. We've got Christians who have been Christians for three or four or five years that still don't understand how to pray. They still don't pick up their Bible but twice a year and it's only when there's a disaster. That still struggle with the same anger issues, still insecurities that they struggled with when they met Jesus. We need to be growing. We need to be maturing. We need to be developing. We need to be advancing in the Lord so that we're not stuck in the same grade. We need to have master's and doctorate degrees in the Lord. And see, this isn't about going to Bible college. This isn't about going to seminary. This is about you and me finding victory in our life, not staying stuck in the same place, but getting those frogs that all of a sudden become our pets out of our lives and moving on to the next grade and say, God, I want to grow in you. I can't survive on milk any longer. The children of Israel, when Pharaoh finally let them go, they, they left Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, the Red Sea parted, they walked on dry ground. They walked into the wilderness, past the mountain, right to the Jordan River, saw the promised land on the other side. They sent in 12 spies. Two came back, we got this. 10 said, we don't, there's giants. And they chose to believe the report of 10 people. And they began to circle the same mountain for 40 years. Have you ever hiked before? And after 45 minutes, you didn't know where you're going, you passed the same tree? And you're like, I just wasted the last 45 minutes of my life walking in a circle. Imagine doing it for 40 years. They walked in the wilderness for 40 years. All the while, the promised land was right there across the Jordan River. And they stayed there for 40 years. For 40 years. How many of us how many of us stay in the same place, circling the same issue year after year after year? Today is your day. Today you can find freedom. You can leave that wilderness, cross the Jordan River, and encounter freedom in your life. You don't have to stay stuck any longer. And see those Israelites, they put up camp. They put up their tents. And they begin to get comfortable and make their home in the very wilderness they were meant to pass through. The very place that was meant to be a walking trail to the ending destination became their home for 40 years. You don't have to stay there. You can move on. The things in your life, the areas in your life, whether it be fear, whether it be doubt, whether it be shame and hurt and pain, whether it even be physical pain, you don't have to have that in your life any longer. There's hope for you. And his name is Jesus. Do you realize that out of the 1.5 million Israelites that were prophesied that they would enter the land, two of them actually went into the promised land. 1.5 million down to two people. And those 1.5 million people that did not enter that land did not go in because they believed the report that there were giants in the land. How many giants did they encounter when they went into the promised land? Anybody know? None. 
Not for 150 years did they encounter a giant. And that giant was defeated by a boy with a rock and a slingshot. A boy. And they didn't go in for 40 years because of those giants. And a boy defeated them. Your fear of what might be on the other end of your yes is not as real and big as you think it is. That the moment you say yes to Jesus, you've got to believe that he is greater in you than that is in the world. And you've got to understand that those giants that are bringing fear into your life aren't giants at all. That a boy with faith in the Lord can look at that giant and defeat him and you have that same Jesus living in you. That fear rising up, I don't know if I can actually say yes. I don't know if I can trust him. I don't know if I can get rid of these frogs in my life. I don't know if I can get out of my comfort zone. That fear is a lie. Those giants are already defeated. You are already victorious. Because he lives in you. Too often we get in that place of comfort and we get in that place of being stuck and in the same cycle and in the same grade, not growing. And we face this spiritual apathy in our lives. And we, we just get complacent. If, you, if you're honest with me this morning, I bet most of us in this room would probably say, man, I've, I'm either there or I've been there. I can relate to being stuck, to getting very lazy in my relationship with the Lord. And too often, the idea of leaving that place scares us. It worries us. What am I going to have to do? I don't know if I can make it through. Or I've tried and it didn't work out. Why will this time be any different? In John, the book of John. Just read the book of John. Verse six, chapter 16, verse 31, it says, Do you now believe? Jesus replied, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, in Woodland, in your workplace, at your family dinner table, wherever you may go, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have over come the world see jesus is saying that if you follow me your life may be interesting you will probably have trouble see when you ask jesus into your life your life doesn't become perfect but that's okay because he is and i didn't come to him to have a perfect life he didn't guarantee me ease he just guaranteed me one thing and that's victory and that no matter what I encounter, no matter what I face, I've already won. And too often, we have Christians, they get saved, and we sell them a bill of goods. Like, if you just say yes to Jesus, your life will be perfect. And two days later, they still are having challenges in their marriage. Their children still hate them. Their boss is a jerk to them, and they give up and they quit. Your life will not all of a sudden get perfect the moment Jesus comes in. You'll still have temptation. You'll still have challenges, but that's okay. Take heart, because he's overcome the world. And too often, we find ourselves in the valley of life, struggling. This isn't what I signed up for. Wondering, why did it not turn out better than I hoped it would? God, why is my life not perfect? Why don't I have the money that I needed? 
Why don't why isn't my family all of a sudden restored? Why are my relationships all of a sudden better? And we wonder, God, did you did you lie? Was that not actually the truth? Have you ever said yes to something that you thought would be a lot easier than it actually was, and it turned out it was really difficult? Like you came forward for an altar call to surrender your life and give up everything, and Monday morning turns around and you're like, hmm, can I take that back? Really? Don't want to give up everything. Or you start a fast, and like five days in, you're like, you know, was that God? That wasn't God. He wouldn't do that to me. I like food. Now, I like, I like to win the dad award as often as possible, and my son loves Legos. Like at three or four years old, he would spend like hours. I mean, literally, he could be there for two or three hours and just play Legos. Like a bomb could go off right next to him. He wouldn't even hear it because he was building Legos. It's all he cares about. And I would spend hours with him building Legos. Like I'd come home from work and it'd be the first, Dad, can we just play Legos? Which, by the way, husbands, fathers, when you come home from work, turn off the television, keep your phones off, and play with your kids. It's not your time, it's your kids' time. Play with them, be involved, get on your hands and your knees, get dirty. They need it, and so do you. That was my soapbox, I'm back in the message, thank you. And I would play with my son, and we'd play for hours, and I remember one day I was like, I'm gonna win the dad award, I'm gonna go buy him this great, uh, this great uh, Lego set, and it was like, these, the new kind that come out where there's like these pulley systems and the balls that move, maybe they've been out for years, but I just noticed them. And they're like for 12 year olds and older. And I'm like, my son's three and he's a genius. I'm sure of it. He's gonna be able to figure it out. And I bring it home, open it up, and he looks and he says, dad, it says 12. I'm like, I don't care, figure it out. So he opens the instructions and hands them to me. And he's like, dad, you do it. And there's like diagrams and charts and illustrations. It's like Ikea directions for Legos. I mean, I, I'm having a panic attack looking at this thing, and my son has this judgmental stare like, Dad, you going to figure it out? And I'm like, yes, I am, son. And so 30 hours later, I finally have constructed this Lego set, and it doesn't even work. The balls that are supposed to continually move stop and you gotta lift and pull, and I'm like, throw it away. I don't even, I hate Legos, so do you. Let's buy a Frisbee or a football. We can, I understand how those work. And I feel like following the Lord is a lot more like building Legos than buying something cheap and easy. Like you buy it, and it takes time to develop it. You've got to follow the instruction manual. And too often, we say yes to Jesus, and we get into life, and we haven't developed and grown and mature, and so we get in a place where we don't have the resources or the depth in the Lord to actually sustain ourselves, and we're like, I quit, way too hard for me. I'm four, and that says 12 years old and older, I can't do it. And if you don't have somebody around you to walk you through, you're gone. You've given up because you haven't developed a relationship and a strength and a depth in the Lord. You and I it will encounter valleys in life. We will encounter places where we find ourselves. Maybe we won't make it through, 
Maybe it's an impossibility. Maybe it's a challenge with our spouse or with our children or with our job or with finances. You name it. What are you going to resource from? Are you going to make it through? And I will tell you this, that if you stay stuck in the milk of your life, if you stay stuck in kindergarten first or second, and you stay there, the time that you need to resource from the Lord, you're going to be relying on milk to make you through when you need the sustenance of the Lord to do it. You've got to develop a maturity in your life to where it's five years since you've known the Lord and you're stronger than ever. You haven't been stuck, but you're growing in him. Not complacent, but developing. So when you find yourself in the valley, you can make it through. Psalms 23, we know this scripture, right? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Though I walk through, though I walk through the valley, the valley that you find yourself in, you weren't meant to stay there. You were meant to walk through the valley. Too often we get in the valley and we find ourselves frustrated and not understanding why we're here. You weren't meant to stay there. You were meant to walk through. And the fear that you have of, I don't know if I can make it, is a lie from the enemy. And you have no fear because he is with you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The same victory that he won on the cross is in me. Like when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, which they'll win this year. That took a lot of faith to say. That was a lot of faith. All I need is a mustard seed. When the Seahawks won a couple of years ago, you or I, man, it was like we won. Nobody in the, I don't know if anybody in this room was even at the game. We weren't on the field. We didn't participate, but because they won, I won. Their victory, you better believe, was my victory. And I enjoyed that for as long as I could. I'm still enjoying it. The victory that Jesus won on that cross is yours because you're in his family. You're a son or a daughter of the king. And the victory that he won on that cross, the blood that was spilled was for you. That you can have victory in your season of stuck. You can have victory in your season of frogs. You can have victory in your season of being complacent in the same grade year after year after year. And God wants to develop you and mature you. But it requires you to stand up and say, not tomorrow. I'm not going to choose freedom tomorrow. I'm going to choose freedom today. I'm not going to get complacent and lazy and think, someday I'll say yes. No, I want it today. Those frogs that you've allowed to stick around for too long, he wants to remove them. But he asks you, when do you want them gone? When will you let them go? And too often our response is tomorrow. Too often our response is when I get to it. And we say no because we're worried what it might look like if they leave. I'll be all alone. My comfort, the place I've become familiar with will look different. But it's time to actually say yes to today. Today is the day. It's graduation day today. It's your graduation moment. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 says, come to me. All who are weary 
and burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you're under the Lord, when you're in the Lord, there's rest. There's no striving, there's victory. Too often our fear of what will it look like when I actually say yes, what will he make me do? What will, what will my wife say or my husband say, my kids, what will my, my family, I'm a different person, I can't be angry. The pornography or the lust addiction, I don't know if I can sustain that. The insecurity, I don't know what to do. I actually have to invite people over to my house now. And too often we have fear of what it will look like. And I feel like the Lord this morning is saying, come to me. Come to me, those who are weary. Come to me if you're feeling burdened. Come to me if you're feeling weak. I know you've been struggling. I know you've been stuck. That's okay, come to me. And I'll give you rest. And you'll find victory. No striving, just victory. Why don't you stand with me? I feel like the Lord today wants to, wants to relieve some of you of some burdens in your life. He wants those areas that you've been carrying for too many years, those fears, those lies that you've been carrying for so many years, He wants to actually remove them. That He's come to you before and said, when do you want them gone? And we say, tomorrow. I'll do it later. I feel like there's some people in this room who God's been calling you and asking you to be a light, to shine bright, and you've been walking around with a basket on your head of fear. And you're saying, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll shine for Jesus tomorrow. I'll tell somebody tomorrow. I'll pray for them tomorrow and God wants to infuse you and strengthen you this morning with belief and faith to do the impossible to step out of your comfort zone and live for him and shine for him like you know you're called to do that today would be a graduation moment for some of you that you would leave behind stagnation and you would step into movement you would step into action you'd step into growth and maturity and this morning, I want to pray for you if you're here. If you feel like you've been stuck and it's time to move forward. If you feel like you've been complacent and it's time to graduate. If you feel like the Lord's been asking you, do you want these to go? Do you want these areas in your life? Do you want to have freedom in them? And you've constantly said tomorrow and you want them today. I want to pray for you. And I want to invite you, if you feel like that's for you as a prophetic act, I just want you to even come out of your chair and say, I'm leaving behind and I'm coming forward to say, I want freedom in my life. Those frogs, those areas in my life that have been hounding me, that I've unfortunately got comfortable with, I want freedom from them this morning. If you have felt stuck in any way in your life, today is your graduation day. Today is the day where you no longer are going to feel stuck in the old, but you're brand new and you're graduated. So if you, 
If you're here this morning as well, maybe you came forward or you're standing in your seats and you're like, man, I like this idea of somebody who can make me new, who can take all my mess, who can take all my pain, who can take all my guilt and wipe them all away. I want to know who that person is. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior in your life, I just want you to raise your hand and say, I want to give him my life this morning. If you're here and you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time, I want you to raise your hand and we want to pray with you. Is anybody here? All right, for those who came forward, I want to pray for you. And I want you to make a decision in your spirit this morning. No more. I want there to be a resolve in your hearts. I'm not staying stuck any longer. I make a commitment to move. My feet are not in concrete. He gave me shoes this morning to run in because I'm on a race. And I want you just to begin to close your eyes and ask the Lord. And there's areas in your life that you've been complacent in. There's areas in your life, there's frogs in your life, if you will, that you've allowed to stick around, that you've allowed to stay. You've been stunted. I want you to begin to say them out loud and say, Lord, I give this area to you. I give you the fear of this. I give you the shame. I give, you, I give this unforgiveness to you, Lord. I give this condemnation to you. I give this pain. I give this hurt. I give this lie. I give this doubt. I give this to you, Lord. I want you to say it out loud. It requires something from you this morning. Your faith, relationship with the Lord, it's going to take something from you. It's going to require something from you. Say it out loud. I want you to give it to Jesus this morning. Say, I give it to you. I no longer, maybe it's a child that you've been holding on and it's been, you've been carrying around this responsibility. How do I make this work? How do, what do I do? And it's time to just give it to the Lord. It's time to just say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe that you have my best needs in mind. God, I'm going to believe that you're going to come through. I'm going to believe in the victory. Church, if you didn't come forward, just raise your, or stretch out your hands and just begin to pray for those who came forward this morning. God, we just ask for a clean slate. We ask for movement. We ask that those who are stuck would no longer be stuck anymore. Growth this morning, development this morning, relationship this morning. God, those who have been finding themselves bound and restricted, those who have allowed to have frogs and things in their life stay around for far too long. They've got comfortable in the place, in the valley that they were never meant to stay. God, give them strength this morning. God, we leave behind. We leave behind the old. We leave behind these areas of our lives we've cared with us for far too long. And we say today, not tomorrow, but today. Not later, but right now. Let today be the day of victory. Let today be the day of hope. Let today be the day of restoration in Jesus' name. God, and we just say peace and rest. No more striving. Peace and rest in Jesus' name.